word is apocalypse. It's the revealing. It's the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. The revealing of Jesus Christ. How would that be scary? Why would we not want to see more of Jesus? I'm in. And I would encourage you. You want to know as much as you can about Jesus. Amen? So it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yay! And, and let me tell you, there's a blessing when you discover him. Is there not? Have you ever not been blessed when you encountered Jesus? It's not possible. If you said, I encountered Jesus and it wasn't blessed, you didn't meet him. You didn't encounter him and you didn't talk to him. But when you encounter him and you discover him and you see him in, in a greater light and a grander light than you ever have before, it's exciting. And you're going to be excited by that. Amen? Amen. So get in the book of Revelation. I would challenge any pastor who's been told that, don't believe it. Don't buy into it. Get in there and dig. And if there's questions and you don't understand something, the Lord's waiting there. I'm pretty sure he gave us the Holy Spirit as a teacher. And we can say, hey, Holy Spirit, I got it. I, I don't, what is this? And then he leads us on this discovery. And we go through the word. We go, wow, that was amazing. Amen. So there's some amazing stuff coming, fortunately, next week. Some really awesome discovery that I thought we were going to get to this week, and it just is not going to happen. So um, you're going to have to put up with this week so you can have amazing, great stuff next week. Just warning you ahead of time. Um, you'll get some good stuff this week, too. But I was, I was telling the staff, I could, I, I like about five different times this week, I was like, ooh, ooh. And then I go back, and I was like, ooh. You ever go on rabbit trails? Oh, man, I was on this rabbit trail, and then I kept discovering more stuff, and then I was way past any commentator could, I've ever seen, and, and just going like, oh, this is that, and then this is that, and oh, this is awesome. I was like a little kid on Christmas, seriously. Like, that's what it's supposed to be like, discovering Jesus. Amen? Uncovering things you've never seen before. And you know what? That's never going to stop. It's never going to stop. When I'm uh, Pastor Paul and Joy's age, he still comes into prayer group and tells us about these discoveries and these encounters. When my grandpa was in his 90s, I'd go over and visit him, and he was like, ooh, ooh, still holding the Bible, sharing discoveries that he found, and I'd be like, he's making this up. <laughs> you know, I wasn't saved, so I'm like, he's just trying to, you know, make this more than it is, you know. I, I, I know what you're up to. No, he was serious. <laughs> and that encourages me that when I'm in my 90s, if I make it that far, I'm going to be going, ooh, you're better than I thought. You're bigger than I thought. You're more amazing than I ever dreamt. You love me more than I ever thought or knew. Amen? Amen. So, praise the Lord. I don't know where I was going with that, but I just vomited goodness all over you. <laughs> Have your Bibles. We're going to be starting the chapter 3 of Revelation. And we've been going through the letters. And what a great discovery. What a great um, opportunity. I'm going to give you the little bit of, we've been doing the history, a little bit of uh, introduction at each letter. Um, this is kind of like, for some it's cool. Um, for others, you're like, eh, I'm going to kind of fall asleep here for a sec. It's okay. It's the only opportunity you have to sleep today. So um, during the message, if you're going to do it, do it now. So Sardis was one of the oldest cities on earth, um, dated 2000 BC. It was also one of the most important cities. Uh, up until about 549 B.C., um, and it was really important mainly because of its con um, convenient geographical positioning. It was kind of central to the seven cities there that, that John is writing the letters to, um, but 
Besides that, it had um, a royal road connecting Sardis to many Persian cities to the east. So it's essentially located to the seven cities that are written and to the towns that are written about. It also had um, a, a royal road that went all throughout all the different areas of Persia. So because of that, it was a very profitable city. There was a lot of commerce done there, a lot of industry, and they were very, very wealthy. Um, it had a royal road connecting Sardis to many political cities in the east. It was known for its great industries, including carpets. Kind of fun, huh? You see, Sardis was producing carpet. And how many like carpet? I like it when it's new. I don't like it once it gets old. Um, I don't have to like to clean it, but I do like when it's new to be barefoot and feel that's still so nice, right? So they had some carpet makers back in the day. Um, just fun fact, thought you cared. Maybe you don't. Praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> besides the carpet, um, it had uh, gold was discovered there, kind of like us. Amen. Gold, gold was discovered in 1848, right? And people from, what I, why I'm saying that is people flooded from all over the world to come here when gold was discovered. Probably the main reason a lot of people landed over in Sardis, because along the river that was situated below the town of Sardis, um, like kind of like when, in our country, they could go and just, they were picking gold up off the ground. So um, it was very rich. Um, a lot of kings liked to hang out there because there's a lot of gold. And it was just a very profitable place. Um, the first coins that were ever produced um, came from um, goldsmiths and coppersmiths um, that were making gold and silver coins out of Sardis. So... Um, it was located on the northern slope of Mount Timulus on a hill 950 feet up, just a little bit. And it was per pretty much cliffs on one side. And that river, uh, Pactolus River, ran at the base of those cliffs. So I don't know about you, but um, in this city had, had really, um, was very, def uh, it was set up really good for defense. If you have a 900 and something foot cliff and a river at the base of it, you pretty much only have to cover one side. And when I was studying about this, it reminded me when I was a kid, um, my mom would tell you, my dad used to take us from play pool. We'd go down to Cancun and Stockton off El Dorado, and this was years ago, and it was not a good spot at all um, down on El Dorado in that time in minor. <laughs> it's still not very good, but, but it was especially like before they even ever attempted to clean it up. And my dad, would, we'd go there and eat, then my dad would take us over to Angels on El Dorado, crossing the bowling, and we'd play pool. And, and I don't know why we would do this, but what we did, and every time I'd go play pool with them, we'd go all the way to the back. And I would just be like, it's a long way to the door. It just was on my mind, like, that's the door, and it's a long way. Brian, you've probably been there before. So, so uh, yeah, I'm picking on Brian. <laughs> it's your kind of place. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but we'd go all the way in the back, and finally I asked, I tell my dad one day, I'm like, Hey, I, why the heck are we, like, stuck in the corner? And he just said, well, from back here, we can see everything going on. And if something happens, really, you only have to defend one, one side. Okay, that makes sense. It's still a long way to the door. <laughs> so this is how Sardis is set up. They really don't have to cover, only have to cover from one side, which is a pretty good defensive position. Um, so why am I saying that? Because... Um, in A.D., well, uh, at one point, um, there was that boat and the, the, the river to protect the city, making it almost impenetrable. I'm saying almost. See, Sardis got comfortable. And what happens when you think you're really protected real well and, and things are good is you can get comfortable. Well, Sardis sure did that. And they got comfortable and they got captured. And the, and the verbiage where we get the saying, like a thief in the night came from Sardis. 
I'm going to explain that a little bit. I'm not going to give you the name of the kings because it's really not that important. But to tell you this, 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 sound, this town was like impenetrable. They were pretty well on cruise control. And a, a conquering king came with his army, and they got to the base of the river. And they, Sardis was able to see that. And they're like, so sorry you came from the wrong side. They're, they're eating, sleep, drinking, drinking, be merry, not having a problem. Well, the, the king and the soldiers at one point watch one of the soldiers and he comes down, and, and he's leaning over the wall, and his, his helmet falls off. And it goes, dink, 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 and you can see it. Well, pretty soon, he jumps over, follows this trail down, picks up his helmet, and goes back up. And they all go, oh, there is a way. So that night, everyone goes to bed. They do their deal. They see the trail. They follow up. They go up on top, and... They take over the city like a thief in the night. So why is that important? Well, Jesus knows all about those things. And he's going to talk to Sardis in this letter. And you're going to see some of these things come, come to fruition. So um, the patron goddess was Sybil. And I give you some of the stuff, not that some of you care. But um, a lot of idolatry, a lot of um, pagan, pagan worship. They worship Sybil, whose son was, and you've heard of Midas. Remember Midas? You've heard of the Midas touch? Oh, Midas, he, he asked that he could have a, a one question, kind of like rub the genie, you get one wish. He, he wished that everything he touched would turn gold. Seems like a pretty good deal. Except for as the story goes, is when he got his food, he touched that and it turned to gold too. So, oops. No, we don't get to eat anything else because it's all turning to gold. So um, I think that kind of goes into the, the fact that they were worshiping this Midas also, that there was a lot of gold discovered there. Um, gold was a big big thing to them. Amen? All right. Um, Sardis was destroyed by a major earthquake in AD 17. Um, super wealthy city, had become very comfortable, and ended up with no commendation. But we can see that happen, right? Super wealthy gets very comfortable. In the letter to Sardis, one of, one of the few letters with no commendation, no attaboy. Nothing really good to say about Sardis from Jesus. That's pretty sad. It says the cities had a name. I usually tell you that there's a significance to the name of the, each city. And unfortunately for this city, um, we know Sardis represents one of the stones that um, God chose that would be on the priests. And as a jeweler, um, I usually can tell you just about any of the stones. What, you know, they're usually a Sardis. Um, and all the other stones are very precious stones, rare. Um, Sardis used to be stone. That stone used to be very rare. It's not rare anymore. There's so much of it. And it's almost because it became so common and a bunch of other stones are called Sardis, it kind of lost its name. It kind of lost its even meaning, which is very significant. So Sardis, when we think of Sardis, um, basically, city had a name, but it was empty. Had a name, but it really didn't mean anything. Interesting. So as we go into that, um, Lord, bless the reading of your word. I thank you for the history. I thank you for all those other things. Lord, the most exciting thing we're going to do today is explore your word. I pray your blessing over it. I know your word's anointed. I don't have to worry about that. Anoint me that I would deliver it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's read chapter 3. Not all chapter 3. We'll just go 1 through 6. Message to Sardis. Then to the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, so we know from chapter 1 that um, he's, Jesus is saying that I am full of the Spirit, 
and that I hold the seven stars. The seven stars were the angels or the leaders of the church. We need to know that. Those leaders are right smack dab in his hand. Is that a good place to be? So we can, from that, say that he's holding the leaders in their hand. They must be in a good spot, the leaders. Okay. Continuing on. He says, I know your deeds. Now, this is just about all the letters. He says, I know your deeds. Um, Only two other times he doesn't say that. He says, I know where you live because they were seated. And he says, basically, at the throne of Satan. Because I know where you're at. You're not in a good spot. And he also says, I know your, your struggle. I know um, to, to um, Smyrna. You know, that town was called death, the persecution. I know your suffering. I know your persecution. But to the rest, he says, I know your deeds. This is important. That you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, and keep it and repent. If, therefore, you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. That got their attention. But you have a few people in Sardis. The King James says, even in, even in Sardis, you have a few that's giving you a picture of the level of jacked uppery <laughs> Sardis is. When Jesus says, even in your town, there's a couple who have kept their garments clean. That's how jacked up Sardis is. He says, but you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. I'm going to stop for a second. This verse right here, and there's a plenty of them, should, if you are a once saved, always saved believer, this jacks that up. Listen to what he says. He's speaking to who? The church. He says to those who have not soiled their garments, I will not erase his name from what? The book of life. If he says, I want to erase his name from the book of life, that means that's an option. He's saying, I won't erase the names of who? Those who have kept their garments spotless. If you go back through all these letters, you're going to see there's a differentiation. He said to the last group, if you're following me, I won't send you, put you in great tribulation. Let's keep our garments clean. Amen. Amen. And some of you are going to say, well, doesn't Jesus do that? Yeah. He washes us and cleanses us, and then he tells us to walk with him. And then we are to keep ourselves clean by the washing of the water of the word. We have a responsibility in that. Amen? Apparently we do because he says, there's some of you who haven't spoiled your garments. Amen? Am I preaching the truth? Okay. Praise the Lord. I know I am. I just wanted some confirmation. (laughs) It's, it's good once in a while, especially first service was so quiet. And I know it's a heavy, it was quiet. I'm like, oh, good Lord, I'm preaching about to myself today. <laughs> he goes on and says, I will confess his name before my father. Well, that's a good thing. And before his angels, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. All seven letters, he says this. 
I want you to, to see a couple things, and I'm just repeating it for the sake of I want you guys to understand this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Who? The Spirit says to the churches. Churches is plural, is it not? Okay, so seven is the completion. It's completion. Always means completion. So this letter is to the seven churches, and that means all of the churches. But I want you to see there's, there's four things that we can take from this. First, he's saying, he who has an ear, let him hear. He's speaking to that church because he's using some verbiage and some things that are specific to that church. Then he's also saying to all of them because it's the seven churches. He, it's plural. So it's more than just that church. God's word is amazing, is it not? Then he goes on and he says, like, it's, it's also a personal note to each one of us. Are we not the church? Because I remember the Lord telling me when I had problems with his church, none of you have ever had this, just me, and I would say, Lord, why isn't the church doing this? Why isn't the church doing that? And he said, Steve, you are the church. Whatever you do, the church is doing. And whatever you don't do, the church isn't doing. So that means it's a personal level, too. He also goes on to, it's a prophetic and I haven't dealt with a whole bunch of this. I've alluded to it a little bit, and we probably will get into this pretty deep towards the end. Um, but there's a prophetic that he's speaking to. Let, those who have ears, let him hear. He speaks also to the dispensational ages of the church. And it's a beautiful thing when you, when we, when you go through this. If you, and you're going, what are we talking about? Well, the apostolic church was the church of Ephesus. There's the previous church. I could have said last week, um, and I'll just say this. It was the church during the dark ages. That was predominantly in control. And when you see the idolatry and you see the different things, you're going to go, oh, that makes some, um, this church would, would be, uh, I'm not going to share that. I'll let you figure it out as we get to the end, um, this time period. But the beautiful thing with this is if you take any one of them out of order at all, none of it fits. God's got such a plan. He's, he's able to speak to the church. He speak to you. He speak to all of the churches. And to church ages. The seven churches, all of it. It's wonderful. He who has ears, let him hear. Do you got ears? Okay, he's talking to you. Praise the Lord. All right, my first point. He said, man, you have said a lot without a point. Don't worry, I got a couple. Now, I don't know how we can go too far without this one. When Jesus says, you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead, he gets my attention. He says, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Now, I'll tell you what, when, when I read that, it got my attention. He says, you have a name that you're alive. And I went, we have a name that we're alive. What if Jesus said, I see that name, I see your sign. You should change it to old death. That's what held the church. Now, I don't know if their church was new life. You know what I bet it did to them? Shocked them. Shocked them. Surprised them. I think every church that Jesus spoke to was totally shocked and surprised. Those that he gave attaboys to, those that he gave commendations, they were probably like, man, we're, we're struggling, man. We got some work to do. We need, and he's like, man, you guys are doing amazing. 
the churches that had their feet kicked up, thought they had it all figured out, were killing it. He's like, um, yeah, I, hear, I see your name, but your name is wrong. Now, I got to tell you, this doesn't sound too loving, but I can promise you a good God will speak to his, to his children and say, wake up. A good God will say, you think you're doing okay. Wake up, you're not. You're good in name, and you may have been good at one time, and that's, that's why you got the name. And, and I pray and I believe that this church named New Life, like I didn't change the name. I love that name. I love New Life because when you meet Jesus, if you meet him, there's going to be new life. Like old things are going to pass away, but everything's going to become new. But guess what? You got to keep walking with him for that to stay true. Otherwise, you had an experience and you named it something. They had a name and they also had a reputation. There was a reputation that this church was alive. You see, that tells me it looked good from the outside. It was a good looking sign. They had a good looking nice back wall. They had nice inside and lighting was just right. People heard about it. They're like, man, there's something going on. They're, they're, it's really neat. It's a great place. You know, they did stuff like 10 years ago. They had a youth group that was crazy awesome. They had, they've done all this stuff, but it was, had done things. He's saying, yeah, I remember that. Almost, what have you done for me lately? From the outside, it looked like there was life. But how many know there's a church and there's a bunch of churches and they're on TV and everything? They look good. But if there's no anointing, there's no life. What's the life? It's the spiritual part. You can have all the functions. You can have all the stuff. It could be all in the right place. We, we've got um, media. All the departments could be clicking. It looks amazing. They got their act together. But there's no life in it. What do I mean life? Encounters with the Holy Spirit. Encounters with the Holy Spirit, where you come in contact with the anointing of God Almighty. If that isn't there, and that's the seal of approval, the anointing. If that's not there, it's old death. It's a tough one. Jesus knew their deeds. See, that's the thing. You can't fool them. You can dress it up. You can put lipstick on a pig. You can put a pretty dress on it. And he's going to be like, what's the pig doing in here? He can see below the surface, can he? Didn't he say the last, I have eyes of fire. What's that mean? It can burn up all the things we want to put up in front of him. It can burn up all the masquerade. It can burn all that. His eyes of fire see through it all. He, can see, he sees through that to this church. And he's not excited about it. Don't hear this message of like, Jesus is like, you guys are all screwed up. He's saying, come on, get it together, wake up. Your name, you're calling yourself something you're not. See, he didn't go to the problem like some of the other churches. He didn't go and say, like, you have a heresy problem. He didn't tell them they had a love problem. That wasn't the problem. He's saying, you're dead, and you don't even know it. This is a special letter. And I want to say, when, when, when we're talking to the seven churches, 
literally how we are to interpretate this, interpret, interpretate, I made a word up, I do it often, <laughs> interpret this is that we should be able to put ourselves in every one of these letters and see a part of us in one of these letters. We should be able to, if we go into a church and go like, oh, it's like 70% Philadelphia, not that we're trying to do that, but you hear what I'm saying? There's, there's a percentage of folks in the church. That's why there's seven of these letters. You think Jesus wants to speak to all of us? I'm pretty sure. So if you're like, this isn't me, then you got the week off. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure by the time we get to the end, you're going to raise your hand like me. Or you're like, never mind, I won't go there. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Wisdom. They were void of spiritual life and power. See, if there's life, there's power. And the church has, has for a long time, you know, I'm going to testify. We got to see someone get healed last night. That was awesome. That was awesome. They left different. It was beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. There's power in the name of Jesus. He's alive. But see, we can't go and, and say like, well, I remember when I was a kid, I saw these things happen. And then shout the hallelujahs. There's power in the name of Jesus. Well, if there's power, we should be seeing it. If there's power, it should be in you. My Bible reads that it should be like a bubbling brook that's boiling and bubbling out of me. And people can come to it and get refreshed. That's what Jesus said. Is that not what he said as the woman at the well? If you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. And you'll never thirst again. Amen? So this tells me if we're thirsty, two plus two, and that's good news. That's good news because guess what? We can get connected to the source. But we, if, if we think we're okay, we won't. If you think you're alive, but you're really dead, you're not going to say, I need life. You're going to say, I'm alive. I don't need that. You're preaching to the choir, pastor. Was Jesus preaching to the choir? He's preaching to a church. See, they had stopped following the Holy Spirit. This is what it tells me. They had to have stopped following the Holy Spirit. It's not possible to be called a dead church if you're following the Holy Spirit. If you're following his leading, if you're following his unction, you're not going to go to a place of death. You're going to be full of life. So somewhere along the way, they, they disconnected from leading the Holy, letting the Holy Spirit lead them, and men started leading them. Does that sound fair? See, I have this little 3 by 5 card, and just because I have this little 3 by 5 card doesn't mean I'm doing it. But it's really important to me, so I put this little 3 by, by, by 5 card in front of my computer, so I see it every day as I sit down, as I'm looking at plans, as I'm doing things. It says, the Holy Spirit is a better way. Amen. See, I have natural giftings, I have natural abilities that I can go, okay, well, this can happen, this can happen. But I want that before me, so that when, as I'm doing things, the Holy Spirit's a better way. Is this the Holy Spirit leading this? Because if it's not, then here's what I know. It might be okay for a while, but it's not going to last. It's not gonna, it, it might be good, but it ain't going to be great. It might be a, a man thing, but it won't be a God thing. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. 
The Holy Spirit's away. So they weren't doing that. They, they were allowing somehow, shape, or form something else to guide them and lead them. You know what I know? It's, it's a lot easier. Come on. It's a lot easier to follow man. It's a lot easier to do what's natural. It's so much easier. When you can see that there's an issue and you can go, oh, I can do that. See, the Holy Spirit might tell you, I don't want you to do that. I want someone else to do that. And you're like, oh, no. But if I do it, I know it'll get done. And if I do it, I think it'll be right. Yeah, but I didn't ask you. Like, I want you to have them do that. Okay. Now, I can listen or I can do it. Which is he going to bless? What is going to have life in it? What is going to have life? What's going to have supernatural power in it? I can promise you it ain't going to be what I do. And you'll know it's the Holy Spirit because he'll ask you to do things that you can't do. You'll be like, what are you doing? Why don't you ask them? They're amazing at it. Like, we need to tell counsel God. I try to counsel him all the time. He don't listen. I'm like, dude, you need to get your stuff together. Just talk to me. <laughs> don't we? Like, just, just have a seat. He's like, check this out. I actually know what I'm doing. I've been running the universe for quite some time. Oh, yeah. Guess what? With God, two plus two can equal six. Like, I don't see that. I know you don't. I don't want you to see it. If you see it, you'll screw it up. <laughs> Just listen to me. Just follow me. That's why I told you to walk by faith, not by sight. Following the Lord means you're not going to see a lot of it. It's not going to make sense a lot of the time. You're not going to be able to rely on your own strength. You're going to have to rely on him. And then tomorrow, you're going to have to rely on him again. And then tomorrow, you're going to have to rely on him again. And we want a break. I want to put it on cruise control. He's like, we're not at cruise control time. Guys, we're in the curves. We're in the heels. We're in the turns. We're like, pay attention. Listen to him. Get your hands off the wheel. Like, we just got a car that I can take my hands off the wheel, and it will drive. My wife's like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> now, it is a weird feeling, I will say. I came all the way from 88, 104, first time I tried it, almost all the way into Ione. Cruise control, my foot not touching anything, and my hands... That's what the Lord wants us to do. Let go of the wheel. Put your foot off the gas. I'll drive. I've learned it's a lot better if I just go in the trunk. Hog tie me. Gag me. I will still knock on the thing and be like, you should turn. It's like, you can't even see. I know, but I think I know where we're at. I'm like, Lord, just time. You know what I'll do. Just throw me in the trunk. I'm pretty sure they stopped following the leadership of the Holy Spirit and the leadership the Holy Spirit put in front of them. Now, I'm not preaching this because I'm the pastor. I'm preaching this because this is what I see. He declared to this church, the seven stars are in my hand. That meant the leaders of the seven churches were in his hand, right where they should be. So somewhere, 
that church went astray. They weren't listening. They weren't, it sounds like that probably the pastor was preaching some good things. How many know we have a choice with that? Now, I will say, just because you're in a church, that's not saying that your pastor is the greatest pastor, that your pastor is even listening to the Holy Spirit. I will tell you, and I promise you this, at any point along this journey, you see me going left when the word says we should be going right. That's when you quit following me. Hello? That's when you quit following anybody. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So if you see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life, you see that I am preaching the word and we were following the direction of the Holy Spirit, then it is your responsibility to follow. It is not your responsibility when the pastor's in Timbuktu and Jesus is standing here very obviously. Now, that hand happened. And if that's the case, then don't stay there. Don't go there. I've been there. I remember my son asking me when he was real little, Dad, do we have to go? I couldn't give him a good reason. This was my reason. Like, well, we kind of have to because I serve there. It's not a good reason. There wasn't any life. It was dead. That's not good. Now, now hold on. Just because something's dead doesn't mean you're not supposed to be there. Maybe you're supposed to be the life. Maybe you're supposed to be the light. Maybe you're supposed to be the encouragement. Now, when something's going, you don't go follow that. Amen? Amen. So they weren't following the Holy Spirit, and they probably weren't following the leadership. Here's what, here's what I believe was happening. They were doing church. They were doing church. How many's done it? Doing church. They were doing church, which is having a form of godliness. Now, there's a church age that denies the power. It's still alive today. I won't give you the title. You'll get that, you'll get that another time. But I will give you some scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 5. Now, I'm going to give you some homework. From, from this point forward, from today forward, any single t- anytime you hear in Scripture the last days or in those end times, that's for you. <laughs> that's where we're at today. So this isn't for some people the far off. This is for us. So it says, but realize this, which is saying understand this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For people will, will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, Arrogant, slanderers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. Boy, we see the same. This is sad. The same divorce rate in the church as outside the church. Irreconcilable. Now, if you're divorced, I'm not picking on you. I'm just stating this is the days and times that we're in. There's some folks you can't help it. You didn't do anything wrong. It's not your fault. I understand that. Just saying there's, there's a lot of times that it's what this says, irreconcilable, not willing to reconcile. We see this even in the church. We see this even in communion with the Lord. Like we don't understand what a covenant is. When you make a covenant, it means this, that all I have is yours, everything. And all you have is mine. That's, that's what we have with the Lord. The Lord says, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you all of myself. And we are supposed to do the same thing. 
Lord, and I'm giving you all of me and all of myself. And when one of us doesn't do that, we got a problem. Now, I can promise you who's always given all of himself, Jesus. And he says that we are to be just like him, laying down our lives. That's how they'll know you, for the love you have for one another. And how do we know his love? Because he laid down his life while we were yet sinners. That means he did it while there was nothing good in us. Nothing to get in return except for pain, agony. And he says, yeah, that's how I want you to love people. We're in that day. Yay! You want to be a Christian? Yes. I need you, Jesus. That's what I know. Malicious gossips. Not just gossips. Malicious gossips. Without self-control. Brutal. Haters of good. Treacherous. Reckless. Conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such people as these. Now I want to read the last verse, verse 5 in the New Living Translation. It says it this way. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Now, who is he speaking to? They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Now, in a day that we want to see, and I hear this all the time, we just want to bring the churches together. And I love that. Like when I was a youth pastor, we brought churches together and we have unity. But, but here's something I see, and some people aren't going to like this, and I'm sorry if you don't like it. It's the Bible. How can I have unity with someone who says the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are of the devil? I can't. I can't have you. Like, how are we going to have unity on that? Because I'm not going to budge on that. Like, we hear the word unity today. We have parties. Well, we need to come together. That's a joke. People want unity as long as everyone will agree with them. Now we can have unity. You think like I do. Now we can have unity. That's not unity. Unity is when you see each other's differences and you go, I can respect that. I can respect that. Unity is when, like, you both are willing to give on an area. Like, I'll give on this. You give on that. Like, we can have unity. I ain't giving. Neither are they. You're going to say that my Jesus, who said, wait for the Holy Spirit, and he told the disciples who knew him and were already doing miracles in his authority, you don't go anywhere or do anything until I baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's of the devil? We got a problem. I got a problem with that. That's, that's not going to be okay. And some people say, and I used to tell our youth, like, hey, look, when you major on the majors, minor on the minors. Well, this is a major. In a day and time today, we need that power. You're not going to reach the lost. You're not going to evangelize the world without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to be able to function and do what God has called you to do without it. You can do partial, but... You won't be able to do this in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Eyes, blind eyes, see. Spirit, leave. You're not welcome here anymore. You don't do that in your own power. You do that with an authority and a power that comes from on high. Now, I'm not saying if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're my enemy. Hear me. 
What I am saying is when you say that's from the devil, we have a problem. We are not going to have unity. You could be not filled and it's all plumbing, whatever. We're going to go to heaven and sing Kumbaya together. It's going to be great. But there is a difference. When you have all these things and you're saying, I'm, I'm with you, I'm on your side. He's saying, don't have dinner. Don't hang out. Don't have anything to do with people like that. So we can't have unity. I lost some of you. Praise the Lord. Second point. And that's all we're going to do is two points today. Wake up and strengthen what remains. Verse 2. After he says your, your deeds are dead, your name is alive, but you're dead. Wake up. You know what that tells me? This is deep. I studied really hard on this. This means they were asleep. <laughs> Let's look at that a little more. How many of you have ever been asleep and not known it? I did use you, so I'm just going to let you know in first service. I use my wife. I'm going to do it again. I'll pay for it. <laughs> How many of you have done that? You, you didn't even realize you were asleep. Oh, I was asleep. I've done it driving before. Uh-oh. Like, if I had known I was asleep, I wouldn't have been driving. Make sense? That's why Jesus is yelling, like, wake up! He loves us. He's like, some of you are asleep, and you don't know it. Wake up. It worked well. <laughs> that was better than I could have planned. I didn't plan to yell like that either, so it worked out good. Wake up and strengthen what you have. It tells me they were asleep, they didn't know it, and what they had was dying. What they had, what they thought they were so proud of, they weren't even aware of, was dying. Church. This tells me they're depending on past experiences. Come on, if you're taking notes, I would start taking them. This church... I promise you, is depending on past experiences because this is what Jesus said. Strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. I found, I have, have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. See, things started going good, and this is what we do. Get a little tired. I just take a break. I kick my feet up. Here's, 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 I will promise you, you will recognize with this. Do not say anyone's name, but I will promise you, you know some folks that will talk about what Jesus has done. They want to say over and over and over what Jesus did 20 years ago. What Jesus did 40 years ago. Let me, oh, well, in my day, and, and elders, don't get upset with me. I'm not picking on you. Because we got people that will that are 25 years old and they're going to talk about something five years ago. And that ratio, that's like 40 years ago. 
I love our elders. Church, if you don't have elders, you don't have wisdom. Like, we need elders. We need wisdom. But you got to hear me. I can't talk about it. If all you hear me talk about is what happened in Teen Challenge, when I was in Teen Challenge, that's all I talk about. There's not any, I can't share anything, you know, when I used to witness. I hear, when, I, well, when, I got, when I was new saved, I would go out and share the gospel. I used to go out on the streets. I'd knock on doors. I, when's the last time you did that? Well, 40 years ago. See, my Bible reads that I want to do a new thing. You know our God is a God of the new? Every single day, a new sunrise comes up with new mercies for that day. He's a God of the new. Like, we don't get to go like, well, 10 years ago, because he's going to say, you're dead. If there hasn't been any fruit in 10 years... That tree's dead. He's a, doesn't he tell you that his father's the gardener that will go through and be like, that tree doesn't have no fruit. It's fruit time. Pull it. It's taking up space. Jesus says, hold on. Let me till around the ground. Let, let, me, let me put some miracle grow on it. Let me water it. That's what Jesus is saying. It's like, hey, wake up. Like, we need to dig some, so like, dude. You're about to die. There's no, the fruit is, is dying. The things you were counting on as your... That was a long time ago. Wake up. What little remained from the past. What little remained. Don't you know, like, we, we are our greatest... We think we're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Like, the world... The world has... Jesus has been met through me. I'm the greatest evangelist ever. Like, that's what a lot, I mean, I, I don't believe that. But a lot of us, like, we do something for the Lord, and all of a sudden we think, we're, boy, we're something. He's like, um, that little bit that you thought was so amazing, it's almost dead. Wake up. See, nothing had been completed. We think we're awesome. Nothing had been completed. Nothing followed through. Nothing seen to completion. You know what that tells me? It's not all that awesome how you start. Most people, and you'll see this, I've seen over and over and over, people get saved and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to win the world for Jesus. And then a few weeks later, well, man, it's pretty rough. It ain't how you start. When you do things in your own strength, that's usually the result. You need to hear me on this. If you've led something or you've done something or stepped out, is God calling you to do it? Because I can tell you, the church as a whole, a lot of the church has followed. I, I was praying with the, 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 the prayer group this last Wednesday, and the Lord was just showing me this. Like There were some, some folks that were like, oh, man, I'm really, there's some things going on, and blah, blah, blah. And I, I was just like, man, I'm excited. God's, God's shaking things up. He's doing some things. Like, we've seen the church follow man's plan. This is, this, is, this is what we've seen the church do. Follow man's system. Like, hey, you look like you're a good speaker. You should be a pastor. You're, you're, you've got, you're a great dynamic talker. You, you know, you've got great, good grades. Um, people seem to like you. 
Like you should go into school, get a Bible, go to get a Bible degree. And since you got this amazing Bible degree and doctorate, you should be pastoring and you should be leading this. And we're going to make you the, the leader of all this different stuff. And has God called you? Not even a question. I see, I see these gifts in you. Well, big whoop-de-doo, that's the flesh. You know, if I see a six-foot-five guy that's 300 pounds and there's no fat on him, I can put two plus two. Hey, he would be great in security. <laughs> right? He should, be, he should be watching the door. Like, I didn't need the Holy Spirit to reveal that. But see, when the Holy Spirit does things, he'll go and, and pick out this little guy, like a David, and be like, yeah, we're looking for someone to take out a giant. And man's like, okay, how big are you? How much can you bench press? Like, how good of a shot are you? They're like, David, get the heck out of the way. Hey, kid, I'm t- just get the heck out of here. God's like, I want David. See, God does things, and it doesn't look like man's plan. But God knows what he's doing, because here's what God knows. When I use David, David's going to pull up that Goliath head, and he's not going to say, I'm awesome, look at what I did. David's going to hold and say, look what my God did. My God is awesome. Amen? Like, he's going to call a Jeremiah who says, I'm a kid, I can't talk. Exactly. He's going to call a Moses. I can't talk. Yeah, I'm going to be your mouthpiece, Moses. Don't worry about this. I can't do it. Exactly, I can See, God's plan's different, and it's called the anointing. You can't buy it. You can't purchase it. You can't do anything. It's, his, it's the anointing, and God anoints that which he calls and which he is pleased with, and he anoints that. And it, the anointing is a supernatural empowering, and here's what it does. It will always complete what it starts. I will promise you, you go back and you look at ministries that are still thriving, even after the person's gone, there was an anointing on that man or woman's life. God will call a man or a woman and anoint them, and there's an anointing on it, and they carry that. And it's like anything they go by and touch is blessed and is anointed. And it doesn't take, like, a bunch of effort on their part. And it doesn't wear you out because there's an anointing on you. You don't run out and blow your motor up halfway through. You finish what God's called you to because it's anointed. And that's what God's saying to this church, like, I see your name. You, you started well, but you're dead. You need to wake up. And church, I will promise you, there's been things I've stepped out in that I think, oh, that would be good. I could do that. And you know what? The truth is it didn't finish. It didn't end well. You know why? God wasn't involved in it. He didn't have his hand on it. He wasn't, he wasn't saying, I want you to do this. It just sounded like a good thing. But when something's anointed, the gates of hell aren't going to conquer it. The gates of hell are not going to stop it. While I'm on that, I, I wanna, I'm not going to say the, um, names, but there's some, there's some garbage going around right now. God is shaking the church, and there's some people not wanting to repent. There's some people not wanting to own what they're doing. And I'm going to share um, uh, something that was, it so grieved me. There's a man who was repenting and saying, please forgive me. I, I gave a prophecy. I prophesied these things. And it didn't happen. And you know what? I must have missed it. And was humble of himself and humbling himself, repenting. That's a beautiful thing. You know what? I have a lot of respect for someone who says, you know what? I'm a man. 
I missed it. I'm wanting to please God, but I, I, some, some, I don't understand it yet, but, but so I missed it. And then I heard another man, and I've really liked this person, but I got some problems with this. He goes on and, and says, if you, if you guys are repenting and, and apologizing for missing it, you sh- you're missing God. You, just, you're, you don't know what you're doing. God said, blah, 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 blah. You need to stand by it and just on and on and making, like making this guy belittle him. And then went on to say, well, you know, one time I was in another country and God gave me a word for this young man that was in this church. And he prophesied over the young man and said, God, show me that, that in your life, that God's going to bring thousands of people. You're going to be used. God's going to use you. And thousands of people are going to come to know God through you. And he's going to bless your ministry. And on and on and on. And then a week later, he was killed in a farming accident. So the pastor of the church called the prophet and said, would you like to come back and apologize to the church? Because you prophesied this. And this happened. And he said, I won't, I'm not going to apologize for that. That's what God told me. I'm not apologizing for nothing. He said, because the thief came and stole it. And this sounds good. The thief came and stole that word. So I'm not going to apologize. Let me tell you something. That's a lie. Now, I know the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But if God is prophesying through an anointed prophet, and it's an anointed word, that is going to come to completion. See, the Bible says, now that sounds good, but the Bible also says that that God holds his word above his name. When God says, you can cash that check. When God says it, you can cash the check. Because here's what I know. The devil don't have that kind of power. I can tell you firsthand. See, God had a call on my life at an early age, and the devil was aware of it, and he tried to take me out over and over and over. And that what he couldn't do it. God finally came to a point and said, Steve, I'm going to take my hand off you if you don't serve me. God, he will, he will accomplish what he says. The thief does come to steal, kill, and destroy. That doesn't mean that he can do it. It doesn't mean he can, has access to be able to overthrow what God says. If God says it, and it's from God, you can cash the check. See, we, we've had a lot of prophets saying, and I love prophecy, and it's a gift of God, and there's a reality to it. But when anyone can say this and that and the other and say, if it doesn't happen, well, then the enemy stole it. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Don't don't use God's name in vain. Don't use God's name in vain. God using his name, it's not just a cuss word. It's when you say, thus saith the Lord. If you say, thus saith the Lord, it better be, thus saith the Lord. And if thus saith the Lord... If he says, go tell that king it's not going to rain for three years. What? Guess what? It ain't raining for three years. And you don't have to explain it. If it starts raining, then guess what? The problem wasn't with God. Church, you need to hear me. God's shaking some stuff up. I'm not against prophecy. Prophecy is a beautiful thing. Here's what you need to do. And here's what I do. If, If I don't hear sometimes, like there's times I've heard the audible voice of God and I would, because I know he said, I'm writing down what he said, so I don't even want to miss one word of it or not even pronounce it wrong. And when I share that, there's a shaking. There's a, oh, my Lord, there's tears. There's, it's powerful. He don't just do that all the time flippantly. Just because I have a thought doesn't mean it was God. I will say, I sense. There's times I'm praying with someone. I get, I get a download or I get something. I see a picture 
you know, I sense the Lord is doing this. Now, that's not a cop-out. That's a humbleness to say, I don't want to misspeak. And I've told people before, I sense, and I feel pretty confident in my sense. But if this isn't from the Lord, or this is, then you know what? You crumble it up and throw it away. I'm fallible. The moment you think, I've, oh, you need a download from the Lord, just come talk to me. I know people like that. Oh, I can prophesy a word. And they, oh, you need a word from the Lord? I'm sorry. He's not a slot machine. You don't just pull God's arm and he spits out whatever. God's shaking. Thank God. Thank God. And I have a lot of respect for anyone who will humble themselves. Anytime a person will say, please forgive me. I've missed it. I've got way more respect for than someone says, I'm not going to apologize for that. What do you mean you're not? You just said this and it didn't happen. I guess all that was for free. It's not how you start, church. It's how you finish. It's not how you start. A lot of people start off with a shot from the gun. But if you want to see God's hand on something, you watch. It's fruit's going to remain. I know, like, you can tell when someone get, really gets saved. Watch what happens when they hit their first obstacle. Watch what happens when they hit something hard. And there is no answer. There is no, why, God? He said, I don't know. God, I don't understand this, but I still love you. Because they understood they were lost. They were broken. They were wretched. And this God that loved them so much came and gave his son and took their sin. And they value that so much. That's why it says those who have been forgiven much love much. You know what? The difference is that some people recognize how foul they were and how foul their sin was to God. And some people grew up in a church think, well, I didn't do very much. Those guys were super. I've had people tell me, well, that's you love much because, you know, you had that past. And I just want to go, my God, how sad. How sad. Your sin put him on the cross, too. Yes, I'm blessed. I understand what a wretched sinner I was and, and, and am without the precious blood of Christ. You should, too. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. You know, the, if the sad thing is, is if this church would have woke up, if they'd have just woke up, if they'd have listened, the Lord would have nurtured what little bit there was and brought it back to flourishing. That's his desire and heart. So don't be discouraged. If, you're, if you've heard this message and you go like, man, I've been away. I got some issues. Be encouraged. The Lord wants to nurture you. He wants to take those branches that are, look like they're about done. There's no fruit. He's going to lift them up. He's going to make sure the sun's getting shot on them. He's going to dig around that soil. He's going to breathe and declare life over you. And you're going to grow. And you're going to produce fruit in season. But you have to wake up. You have to say, like, you're right, Lord. You're right. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I call myself. You're right. If you say I'm dead, I'm dead. we got to get out of the past. I've learned a couple things, just a couple in my life. The devil wants to keep us in the past. Sometimes we think, yeah, he just wants to, it's just in the old things that we've done. He wants to keep you in the past, too, on the good things you've done. You need to hear me. He's totally fine with you being in the past. He don't want you in the now. 
He don't want you in the today because today is the day of salvation. He wants you in the past. If you'll stay in the past because of the foolish things you've done, he's got you. If you'll stay in the past over the good things that you've done with the Lord, he's got you. That's what he's telling this church. You are content to stay back there and you're not even awake, realizing that you're not awake. You guys, this is a walk. We are to walk with the Lord. We walk in the light as he is in the light. When do you see him stop moving? When do you see Jesus kick up his feet? Where did you see Jesus not see it all the way through? He went to the end. Every drop of blood left his body. Emptied himself. But yet somehow we want to come in with our hair dead, looking all good. The reality is for me, I want every single spot squeezed out. Like I want to run this race like I, when I used to run, which is past tense. <laughs> when I played football and was in sports and, and they would time you at school and I was in good shape, we'd run the mile. And, and I would get a pretty decent pace and keep it until sometimes a little bit before the last half. So, the, so it had been the, what, eighth mile? And then from that point forward, I would just run as hard as I could. And before I got to the end, you could taste like the blood, you know, in your lungs. And man, you're just every single thing and, and just about almost collapse at the end. And I'd get a pretty good time. But the only reason was because I did that. That's how we should run this race. Church, it is not cruise control time. It is not like kick your feet up time. It's like, I see the end. I want to run with everything in me. I want to, I want to just, I want to cross the line and collapse into his arms. I want every single gift that he's got so squeezed and poured out and everything he's ever put into me, I want it poured out. I, don't want, I want to leave everything in me here. If I was on a motorcycle, I'd want that thing tacked out, like smoking, ready for the engine just about to seize up and the tires bald, starting to come apart and like wreck, sliding it sideways as I go through the finish line, leaving nothing left. Rode that thing as hard as you possibly could. That's what we should be doing. That's what he's called us to do. That's what he did. Isn't that what he did? He left it all. There was, not, there was nothing left to squeeze out of him. He gave it all. And he said, pick up your cross and follow me. And somehow we think we're supposed to come through like... Oh, get out of the past. The saddest words I think people are ever going to hear is when, when the trumpet goes, the dead in Christ, those who were died and those who were raptured, you're going to hear shoulda, coulda, woulda. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Man, I should have, I should have got right. Man, I should have, I should have listened to the Lord. I should have woke up. And I should have went to the altar when Pastor Steve gave that altar call. I could have. Man, if I just would have done that. You're going to hear a lot of shoulda, coulda, woulda. Why don't you bow your heads? Lord, I thank you that you love us enough to tell us the truth. I thank you, Lord, that you 